one-legged hook shot, page 159. As I'm leaving the stadium, my phone rings. Mum. I let the first call go to voicemail, but then I remember the whole jail possibility and a chill shudders through me. I pick up and she calls again. Bug, she says. Where are you? I don't want to use a musical excuse again because at some point she's going to get suspicious about why my truly awful dancing isn't improving with all that practice. My mum, I say scrambling for an excuse. I'm at school sport, you know. We had to nominate a sport. Oh, yes, what did you choose in the end? First day. That's great. It's very noisy there. Yeah, there's a gang of us learning CPR, I say. Great chest compressions. Hmm, Ralph, lovely breaths, sum up. I hear someone guffaw behind me and I turn around to see Doof. Lovely what? What did you say, Mum says? Breaths, I said breaths. Doof laughs. Right, Mum says, you can show me your CPR technique when you get home. 15 to 2, don't forget. I won't forget, I reply, and I hang up before it becomes obvious that I have no idea what she's talking about. Never heard him describe like that before, Doof remarks, an eyebrow raised. And who's Ralph, anyway? Um, Ralph, Ralph is. He's my little sister's imaginary friend, I say. Who does chest compressions? I search my empty brain for an explanation. He's a weightlifter, you know, chest compressions. I mimic lifting a heavy weight. Your sister has an imaginary friend who's a weightlifter, and that's called a clean and jerk, by the way. Never really got into weights, I say, flexing my puny bicep. No kidding. Doof nods and shrugs. And now I have to find a way to learn CPR before mum grills me. Maybe a lodi will teach me if she ever speaks to me again. A lodi's yellow brick house is buried in an overgrown garden. I fight my way past a creeper and through a tangle of branches. I make it to the front door and ring the bell before I can bail on the whole thing. It's a few hours after the game and I'm hoping she has calmed down. But when she answers the door, her face is grim. Yes, she says, holding the door as if she's weighing up whether to slam it in my face. I take a deep breath. Can we talk about what? About, I start and stop, about Marfin. She stands still for a moment and then lets me in. The house is quiet, full of books and plants, like a library in a jungle. We sit at the kitchen table, but I can't—I find I can't sit still. All this focus on me and Marfin gives me the fidgets. Would you like to go for a walk, Elodie asks. At the end of her street is Darabin Parklands, where ducks ripple on the water on the pond and dogs run off the leash. We walk along the path by the water. I smell lemon gums and recent rain. Not having to look at Elodie makes it easy to talk. I'm sorry for ignoring the wearable, I say. I won't do it again. Elodie takes a while to answer. How long have you known about it, Marford? About six months. That's not very long, she says, surprised. Dad's had it all his life and he only found out last year. How, she asks, if you don't mind me asking. From everyone else, maybe, I would mind, but I trust Elodie. He had this thing happen at work where he couldn't see, which was pretty dangerous, right, because he works on people's rooftops installing solar panels. And when he went to the optometrist, they were like, this is an emergency. Your lens is dislocated and your eye pressure is super high and you need an operation like about now. Oh, and by the way, 
this dislocation thing pretty much only happens to people with Marfan syndrome. So yeah, you better go get your heart checked. And anyone else tall and skinny like you, oh look, your son's the same. How fascinating. It must have come as a shock. It's like, you know, living most of your life thinking you're one way, then finding out it's not just you. It's because you have a thing, a syndrome. Two lorikeets fly above us and land side by side on a branch of a gum tree. How has your dad taken it? It's complicated. So the day he had to go in for his eye operation, his apprentice, Andy, went to their building site when he wasn't supposed to and got killed. A lady gasps and put a hand to her mouth. Yeah, so pretty much a disaster all round. No one knows why Andy went to work on his own. Dad's been weird ever since. And now the inquests into Andy's death has started. It's so intense. Mum wants Dad to tell them about his eye and he's like, that's my business. And Nana says he could go to jail. That is a lot for anyone to cope with, Elodie says. Your poor father. She looks sideways at me. And how about you? Finding out about Marfan must have been difficult. I screw up my face. Not great, I guess, but I don't have a choice, so I don't think about it too much. Otherwise, it's as if it, that is all I am, a Marfan. And you're not, she says softly. You're bug. Exactly, I say. That is how I feel. But you do need to take notice of it, she says. No point keeping your head in the sand. You've read all the web websites, I take it. I shake my head. The pictures freak me out. Elodie smiles. We could look at it together. We sit on a bench overlooking the pond and she passes me her phone. A magpie warbles and I'm surprised to find my hands trembling as I read about aortas, lungs, backbones, growing curves and the back of the eye detaching. The list is long and disturbing and I want to stop. I rest the phone on my lap and breathe deeply. The mafia creep at the corners of my mind. I'm not sure I can do this. I wish I could cut out the marfan bits of me and throw them in the pond. But it's all over me like a spotty rash and it's going nowhere. I have to face it sometime. I glance over at Elodie who gives me an encouraging nod. So I keep going. And I read some stories about people who have Marfan and what they do with their lives, their jobs, their families, their sports. And it doesn't sound that different to me or mum and dad or Ginny and Elodie. Marfans are just people housed in tall, sometimes wonky bodies. I sit back. Ducks swim in circles, rippling the water in front of us. The air smells of wet grass. Are you okay? Elodie asks. Yeah, I'm just getting my head round it. The website says not everyone gets every health issue, so you should remember that. And the aorta in Marfan is probably the most serious. If it gets fat, it can burst and you can die. Elodie nods. Yes, but if it is monitored, then it can be treated before it bursts. I let out a short laugh. Fat in me. I spread my skinny arms. That's ridiculous. Elodie smiles but keeps going. So there, your aorta needs to be measured. Have you had that done? I nod. It was normal. Good, she says. 
you're right into this medicine stuff. I want to be a doctor, she says, and her face suddenly shy. You'd make a good one, I say, and I mean it, much better than those students. She smiles. I'm glad you're finding out about it. Now you need to take responsibility for it during the game. Understood? I'm getting a lecture and a final warning rolled into one. I get it. Good. We turn back towards home. I forgot to ask you, I say. What was Tickets doing sitting next to you at the game? Oh, I was worried because the wearable alarm was going off and he came over and helped me to work it out. He's got one too. He knows a lot about it. There's a function where you can check for system malfunction, battery failure, that sort of thing. My mind races. What did he see about me? Elodie frowns. I'm not certain. Your heart rate, I think. She thinks and her eyes grow wide. I might have. I did open the Marfin website at one point. I got worried when you wouldn't come off and the alarms were going. I shiver, suddenly feeling the chill in the air. She bites at her lip. I don't know. I thought he was trying to help. She looks at me. Did I do the wrong thing? I don't know. He knows about Marfin, but I don't get what he's up to. He's acting strange. Been turning up at games, taking notes on us. I saw him taking photos of your screen. Something weird's going on, that's for sure. Elodie slumps her shoulders. I'm sorry, Bugs. All good. Maybe I'm just being paranoid. But Tickets is up to something. I just don't know what. I get home, exhausted from my Marfin chat and a bonus half hour of first aid training, which Elodie was wrapped to provide. She reminded me of Killer when he thought I was interested in wrestling. Finally, someone passionate about the same thing as me. So I felt bad when I was only learning to keep up the pretense with mum. I feel bad all round for all the lying I'm doing. It's way more than I bargained for. Nana checks in on me as she's going to bed. Everything okay? I nod. She looks at me. I've washed your kit, she says quietly. Thanks, Nana. They're a good bunch, the Fidos. Yeah. I think this means she'll keep the team quiet. But who's to know what with a wacky lady who converses with the dead? As I drift to sleep, the mafia visit. But this time I'm not freaked. Tall people with sometimes wonky bodies. That's all they are. The next morning, I'm woken by my phone buzzing. It's a message from Tickets. Would you like your team to see this? Tickets has just sent me a screenshot of Elodie's iPad. My rising heart rate scissoring its way up the screen. Next to it, he's pasted a photo of me standing mid-court with the ball, fear on my face. The caption is, when you could seal the game and instead you freeze, choke, marfin, should he be playing? The stakes are high here, not just for my team. Mum still follows the whole Frankston team on Instagram, so she'd be sure to see it if he posts. Still, I can't let him know he's freaking me out. I put the underscore line of our round two win over the eels and tag it. Winners are grinners. Corsi should play. Fingers trembling with rage. I press send. 